0: things at camp. We're going to have the young people dismissed at this time, and uh, they'll go to children's church while you go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Love to see children in the church, amen? You can stay here, Simon, you can probably stick, all right, we had a great... uh, appreciate the Gordon family being with us this week. That was a blessing. All right. We've been looking at friends of Jesus in our series, and, uh, and I hope it's been a help to you. I know I've learned an awful lot about the different friends of Jesus and the ones that surrounded him. Uh but this week in that spirit I would like to look at a different type of friend of God. It is not a person, rather it is a nation. Psalm 33, 12 says, blessed, that is, ha- happy or sanctified or respected is the nation whose God is the Lord. And uh the, the God is, I believe, ready, willing to put his hand of blessing on a nation that honors him. But he goes on, and the people with whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. In fact, he will promote a nation uh, in prominence and power. Uh, Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Enter into that picture then the United States of America and a nation like no other, forged in the principles of godliness. We were, ladies and gentlemen, founded on godly principles uh we if you go all the way back we were not founded as a secular nation but a Christian one. James Madison, the fourth U.S president uh, said, "Cursed be all learning that is contrary to the cause of Christ." Uh, J- Patrick Henry, a ratifier of the U.S Constitution, said it cannot be emphasized too strongly or often enough that this nation was not founded by religionists but by Christian. It was not founded on religion but on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. George Washington, he said, It is impossible to rightly govern the world absent of God in the Bible. John Adams said this, July 4th ought to be commemorated as a day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. In Benjamin Franklin's 1749 plan of education for public, public, public schools in Philadelphia, Uh, This is what he said. He insisted that all public schools would teach the excellency of the Christian religion above all others, ancient or modern. I think they have departed that rule. Our nation was founded as a friend of God. It was founded with the purpose of honoring Him. Now, the Constitutional Convention of 1787... West remembers he was there. It was a contentious and argumentative time. Tempers flared. They were having a lot of fights and trying to figure these things out. And it was at a particularly contentious time that Benjamin Franklin, who was kind of the chairman of the proceedings, he stood up and he made a speech and it ended with these words you've probably heard before. I have lived, sir, a long time. And the more longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that a nation can rise without his aid? And he went on uh, to say that uh, in the sacred writings we have been assured that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall not succeed in this political building. I therefore move, he said, that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven be made in this assembly every morning. And everyone there agreed with Benjamin Franklin. We have a group of founders that sacrificed everything to come to this country. They said, we'd rather die than continue to live in religious bondage. Our nation, friends, was founded by men who were not only here to get rich, they were here, they wanted to find a place where truth could be preached from the highest mountain and the lowest valleys. And God gave them their own country. One in which a man can get behind a sacred desk like this pulpit, open the Word of God, and preach without fear of reprisal. Did you know in over 50 countries right now, this morning, I would be jailed or worse for doing what I'm doing right now? And America was founded on Christian principles. Secondly, it is a land of opportunity. No one is building boats to get out of America, but they sure are building them to get in, aren't they? And you take a man from Cuba who doesn't know a word of English, who floats over here on a rubber raft, he has nowhere else to go, and in 15 years, he'll be your doctor. Because we're a land of opportunity. God has blessed us like no other. We live in a land that does not care the color of your skin, it does not care your nationality. As long as you have a mind to work, you can be a success. America is the only nation that can clear a tract of land 300 miles wide, 300 miles long, and literally feed the world. Look at other countries who stand in line for a bowl of rice or a loaf of bread, and here our refrigerators are so full. Uh, we have so much. Our biggest problem in America is obesity. That's a big problem in America. Now, I know it's harder to get kidnapped the bigger you are, so there are some positives, but uh, it's still a problem. Number three, America is a friend to Israel. I have had many comment com- as, as we hold pastors' conferences and different things. The fact we have an Israel flag up here uh, because it's unusual for a church to have that. But I want to loudly proclaim we support Israel. In Genesis chapter 12, God said, I'll bless them that bless thee, I'll curse them that curse thee. And I believe it's one of the reasons he has blessed America, because Israel is hated on the south, hated on the north, hated on the east, but she has a friend in the United States of America. And make no mistake, America has been a friend of God. As with the other friends we've looked at, she is not without problems. She is not without issues. All the friends had problems that we've looked at so far. All of them had weaknesses in their life, and America does as well, deep imperfections. But there's something else that I want to focus in on this morning that has been a common denominator with all the friends that we have looked at so far, and that is this, they were killed, they were persecuted, Uh, Simon the Zealot was killed, Matthew was burned at the stake, Andrew was tied to a cross and it took him a full two days to die of probably just uh, of, of starvation or thirst. John was boiled in oil. Thomas was run through with the spear. James was beheaded. James the less was stoned or beaten to death. Nathaniel was tied up in a sack and thrown into the sea. I'm simply saying, if you decide to be a follower of Christ, if you decide to be a friend of Jesus you're going to have the gates of hell open up against you because Satan does not want a person who's committed to the cause of Christ. He doesn't want that at all. It's no surprise then that Satan will set out to destroy any body, any church, or that uh, true, any nation that wants to exalt God. This week, every as we do every year, we celebrate America, the land that I love, what it stands for and what it means. There's a Gallup poll done recently, that in the United States, a record low 38% of people are extremely proud to be Americans. 38%. For you public schoolers, that's just a little over a third. For you homeschoolers, you take three people, you stand them side by side, and you take one out, okay? To give you a visual. Just over a third are proud to be Americans. That does, that's uh, astounding to me. In a nation that is the greatest in history, I believe, and the most benefit to its citizen, about two-thirds people do not even appreciate it. Now, th- this doesn't mean because we love our nation, we always love politics. Politics is not something that, uh, sometimes that gets on our nerves a little bit. Polly uh, is, uh, is a Latin word meaning many, and of course, ticks are blood-sucking creatures, and so that's kind of what <laughs> politics really is the government can be a hard thing to love sometimes, can't it? I heard a story about a thief in Washington, D.C. who stuck a pistol in a man's ribs and said, give me all your money. The gentleman was shocked and said, you can't do this. He said, I'm a I'm a U.S. congressman. And the thief said, well then, give me all my money. And that's how I feel about it too. I'm glad that we don't have to depend on government, but this is a country that I love. Britain's King George... The third, I love this story, wrote in his diary on July 4th, 1776. This is what his diary entry is. And this is all that's on there for that day. Today, nothing happened. It's his way of kind of throwing a little dig at us. But something did happen. A nation was born. A nation like no other. A nation that would be God-honoring for much of its life. Her birth marked an era in history for the cause of human freedom. Many Christians around the world die for that right each and every year, yet in America, many people will not give God the time of day, much less their lives. Today, many Americans have this freedom to worship God as others do, but they don't participate. It is one of our greatest national landmarks, our freedom of religion and worship, yet we do not value its importance. And can I make a statement that I want you to mark down in the notebook of your mind? A freedom not practiced is a freedom that will not exist in the next generation. It's heartbreaking to me to see how this country is being treated from taking a knee to burning flags to the White House itself violating the U.S. code on the flag just last month. It states that very clearly that the U.S. flag needs to be center and largest uh, at the highest point of the group. This year, the rainbow flag had that privilege. It makes my blood boil to see a man take a knee at the singing of the anthem from sea to shining sea we have people who do not appreciate and love what we have our beloved country stands above all other nations and influence its influence is felt everywhere our flag our flag is one of the most uh, beautiful things to me that that we have in our life it is commonly recognized worldwide. In fact, I'd like to do mental exercise right now. If you would, just in your mind, put your thinking caps on. I want you to picture the Russian flag. Just picture it. Okay, you got it? It's the largest country in the world, The Ru- Russia is. The largest country in the world. Can you picture it? Do you have it? Yeah, none of us do. Why? We don't know what the Russian flag is. We don't know what the China flag... Uh, we remember maybe a red sickle or something, but Uh, we can't, but I'm telling you one thing. Everyone in the world is familiar with the red, white, and blue. Because of what it represents and because of what it is. My goal today is to put some perspective on our love of country and our gratefulness to God because it is no accident Satan will attack you if you try to serve God. It is no accident that Satan will attack this church if it tries to bring souls to Christ and make a difference in the world. It is no accident that Satan will attack this nation uh, as it tries to be a beacon of light to the world. This morning, if I were the devil, I would want to destroy the last remaining godly nation. I would work within that nation to do what I could to destroy it from within because a nation is just like a Christian, just like a family, just like a church. It is destroyed from the inside, not from the outside. And so I would work within that nation to try to destroy it and get rid of any godly influence it might have. Who has sent more missionaries all over the world other than the United States of America? He needs to stop that if I were the devil this morning, I'd want to destroy America. And I'm going to give you my 10-step plan. Okay? We're going to walk through it very quickly. I know you hear 10 points. Oh, I'm going to be here all day. Not really. I'll have you out by two. I promise. Okay? Uh, but we're we're going to go through my 10-step plan to destroy America. The first thing I would do, first of all, let's read our text, verse 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. It's a well-known verse, be sober, vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. How to destroy what we have. Father, I pray you'd help us in the next few minutes. May we hear from you. May we apply what we hear and be obedient in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I would do is I would deflect people's worship from the one true God. In much of the world, this has already been accomplished. Many third world countries uh, worship statues and idols, Uh, whether it's a little fat guy named Buddha or Muhammad or even Mary, uh, many people in this country, uh, we see that. But still, largely America has been recognized as a Christian nation. And we have a semblance of the worship of the true God. But remember, the devil wants to destroy us. And so what he's going to do is introduce into the mix New gods, like materialism is, I think, one of the biggest gods we deal with in America today. He gives us a sales pitch, not only keeping up with the Joneses, but staying out ahead of them as well. And sadly, masses of people still fall for the devil's sales pitch. Check out Luke chapter 12 and see how I worked for a certain rich man there. Uh, God says, thou fool, whose shall these things be now? That tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. In the moment he learned what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Number two, I would put a God that consumes the time of the people in front of them. In fact, I would invent a little box. And uh, on this box, I would put a screen. And on this screen, I would put interesting people. I would put video access to everything. Uh, Even the most filthy things that are known to mankind today I would I would put them all on this little screen now the uh the, the stats on the phone is incredible currently 95% of people own one of these and they check it over 144 times a day i would uh i would love that man i would just keep encouraging that people become heroes to your children who you would not have in your home and yet they're watching them day and night on the screen. Uh, the average person spends more time looking at this box than they do spending with their own family, time with their own family. The average person watches almost 200 hours of television or streaming per month. That's 28 hours a week. That's two months per year in a 65-year life. That is nine years looking at a box. That's what I would do. And most people at the same time don't give God ten minutes, of prayer and reading the Bible. If you want to, if I want to destroy America, I'd give him the God of television and Netflix and all those things. Number three, I would trivialize the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, the precious name of our Savior is used as a curse word. Did you know today that the McDonald's M, the 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 ho thing that you see when you're hungry, you know? The M that all kids recognize. Do you know more kids in the world recognize that today than the Christian cross? They've got better marketing, I guess, than God does. That's a scary thing to think about. God is mentioned more in our society attached to the word damn than any other way. He's called the man upstairs. He's called the pie in the sky. He's treated like some cosmic butler at our beck and call. America spits on his name in times of, of, uh, of great success and times of prosperity, and then they call on him in tragedy. We, and I think it's the epitome of hypocrisy for our nation. In the 1960s, we throw him out of our school, want nothing to do with him. And then in 1999, April Twentieth, Eric and Dylan shoot up a school and a newspaper headline says how did God let this happen how indeed he was thrown out <laughs> he wasn't there You kicked him out of your organization. And whenever you remove God from a life or an organization, you're going to have those problems. God is love. God is holy. But God is just and will have the last word in Psalm 2, 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh and the Lord shall have them in derision. It's time, friends, for us to get on our knees before God and beg Him for forgiveness for our land. Number four. I would desanctify the Lord's day. I would hold... The best sports games on Sunday. It wouldn't be Super Bowl Thursday. It would be Super Bowl Sunday. I would schedule little league games for Wednesday nights. I would do everything I could to get people out of church and into other things. Because like I've said many times, the Lord does not need, uh, the devil does not need to deceive you if he can effectively distract you. And so that's what I would do. I would set all these things up. Anything to make Sunday an option, not a priority. I would make church much more of just a consumerist type attitude. It was not so long ago, friends, that Sunday was a big deal. Sunday was meant something to people. And uh, stores closed and towns pretty much shut down on Sunday. Does anybody here happen to know the name of a U.S. president that was only president for one day? You ever heard that story before? Let me tell it to you. I love these type of little history tidbits. President James Polk, spent his last day as a president on March 3rd, 1849. And at midnight, he was out of office. His successor was General Zachary Taylor. And he, though, refused to be sworn in the day following uh, Mr. Polk's last day because it was a Sunday. And this is what he said. Going to church is more important to me than being sworn in as the president of the United States. That's... Crazy talk to us, isn't it? But it was a priority. It wasn't an option. It was a priority. And so he postponed his inauguration until Monday, March 5th. That means for one day, U.S. Senator David Acheson of the great state of Missouri was a president for one day. Can you think right now, can you think of anything more important or a bigger deal than putting your hand on the Bible and being sworn in as the President of the United States. Zachary Taylor did. He said it's going to church. That's more important. Church should be a priority. It shouldn't just be an option. It should be a priority in your life. Number next. I would, uh, where are we at? I would desanctify the Lord's Day. Uh, And we'll get get to the next one in a minute, but I, I heard another story. I probably told it here before, but I think it's a good point. Three buildings in the same street had a problem with possums. And uh, it was a shop, a shoe store, and a church. The shop owner, uh, he decided to take care of the possums. He got uh, some cats. And they did. It worked. They got rid of the possum. But then he had cats. And who wants cats, amen? I mean, like, cats, I'd rather have possums any day of the week than cats. My goodness. So he figured out, well, this is no better. No, I got cats. And so he got rid of them, and the possum showed back up. The owner of the uh, shoe store had a better idea. He trapped the possums in a live trap and then he took them miles down the road, dropped them off, but a couple days later, here they are back. The church, though, the church had the right idea. The church caught the possums, baptized them, and made them church members. Now they only show up on Easter and Christmas. Amen? The moral of the story, don't be a possum, go to church. Make it a priority. The Bible tells in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. This morning, if I were the devil, friend, if I wanted to destroy this country, I would trivialize the Lord's day. I'd make it just another day. I'd just call it the weekend. Nothing special, just the weekend. All right, number five. I would do all I could to degrade parents. We could park here for a long time. We won't. But since God has put the man at the head of the home... That's where I would attack. I would go after the father's leadership. Uh, if I was the devil, I would constantly push for children's rights in absence of parents' rights or while I would press down the rights of parents. A Washington state bill just passed in April, a couple months ago, uh, to be signed by Governor Jay Inslee. It strips parents of the rights rights Uh, It allows for runaway children to have refuge somewhere. The parents can't do anything about it. And this is all uh, so that they can get gender surgeries and those type of things without parental consent, even if they're underage. See, the government wants to get them and have the rights with them, not the parents. I would design sitcoms and music that promotes rebellion against outdated parental influence. The world's music, friend, that pumps through your uh, child's earbuds uh, does not support you. I would sell the lie that it takes a village to, to uh, do your job. I'd do all I could to undervalue parents. The president, I would have the president say these words, and by the way, he just did last week, when he said, they are not your children, they are our children. Listen, friend, they're not his children. They're my children. Amen? And God gave them to me. He did not give them to a government. But that's what I would do. I would push it. I would hand out birth control in public schools without letting parents know. I would promote godless gender ideology. I would glorify rebellion in movies and television. Number six, got to move along here. Number six, I would sanction murder. Now, it's been said that you judge a society by its treatment of its weakest members. Daily in this country, 3,700 abortions occur. 1.37 million a year. 93%, 93% of abortions are for convenience or because the child is not wanted. That's a staggering number. And, uh, they, uh, th- then you have euthanasia, which is the painless killing of older people or, or patients suffering from a disease. 54% of medical practitioners are for it. 42% of Americans supported it. But Job 12:10 says that in God's hands is the soul of every living thing. And Ecclesiastes 7:17, be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish, why shouldest thou die before thy time? In chapter 8, verse 8, there has no man that hath power over the Spirit, neither hath he power uh, in the day of death. Listen, life is precious in the eyes of God. He says it over and over. But in an effort to destroy this nation, I would do all I could to cheapen it. And so we've seen. Number seven, I would remove all boundaries from sex, all of them. I would take it out of marriage and gender boundaries. I would teach your child about it in school, vividly when they're young, even in kindergarten. On television, I would make it a commonplace thing in every sitcom. I would entwine and disguise it in humor so that it'll, it'll, it'll even be swallowed by the church crowd. I would remove all boundaries, even to the point of changing genders. I would do all I could to pass laws that, to protect this despicable behavior. Not only that, but sanctioning it, as the Bible says in Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto them that call good evil and evil good. Number eight, I would give people an entitlement mentality. Boy, we have seen that in this age, haven't we? Entitlement. Listen to what Mark Twain said. He probably wouldn't win any office for saying this today, but any man satisfied to be fed by another man rather than by the honest sweat of his own brow should be shot. So tell us how you really feel, Mr. Twain. God said in 2 Thessalonians 3.10 that if any would not work, neither would he eat. Yet we have raised up a generation that lives like this. Hands out. Hand it to me. I uh, racked up a big, huge student loan bill to study gender equality. And I don't want you to pay for it. We have an entitlement mentality. Can I tell you, I believe that entitlement uh, is no better and really not that much different than stealing. It's taking from others what you should be making yourself. Number nine, we're getting done, we're getting close. Promote gossip. That's what I would do. I would promote gossip. I would create gossip columns, gossip shows, tabloids. I would create a hunger in people for gossip and more gossip. Then I would target the church. By the way, can I tell you today that as the church goes, so goes the nation? Remember that because we'll talk about that in a little bit. The church is the leader of this, not the nation. So I would take it to the church. And I would get people, the bad mouth, the preacher, badmouth other people in the church. By the way, you can't devour the preacher Monday through Saturday and, be ex- and expect to be fed by him on Sunday. That's not how it works. Yet, get God's people to backstab each other until no one in town wants anything to do with them. That's what I would do. Make them ineffective. I tell you, nothing in this world is more destructive to human relationships than gossip and slander. And that's why God says He hates it so much. Six things, He says, that the Lord hate. Yea, the seven are an abomination to Him. He that soweth discord among the brethren. Oh, it is a tool of the devil to destroy the church and relationships and families. And it is so effective. It is the way of Satan attacking our nation as well. One word, will wrap it all up, Twitter. All right, we get the idea slander, gossip. Number 10, I'd rob their contentment. I would rob their contentment. Who's content today? Nobody's content today. Everybody wants more. Uh, We never have enough. Credit card debt is at an all-time high because we've got to have everything now. Do you remember those of you who are older, Like, and I refer to older as anybody older than me, uh, those of you who are older, uh, do you remember how it was when you got your first car? That thing rattled and clattered and clanked all the way home. You remember that? It could hardly get from point A to point D. You'd wash it, and there'd be so much rust on there, it wouldn't do any good to wash it. That was our first car. Not today. Oh, no, today, we've got to have the car Mom and Dad worked 20 years for, you see. We want things not... We uh, are not content anymore. Uh, we, where our parents drove clunkers for years, we want a new one now. And, and I had a little special raising. I was raised in a one-horse-powered vehicle. Literally, amen? Uh, Very cheap on gas, but you don't want to step in the exhaust. We are never content. We're never content. We're always looking for more, more, more. Now, listen carefully as we go back over this list. Because, as always, we need to refute what the world does with what God says. We need to refute with the Word of God. We do not fight, can I, let's get this down to, we don't fight against flesh, flesh against flesh. Uh, our enemy is not people, ever. The Bible says in Ephesians six twelve, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And remember this, when you're attacked or when you're in conflict, you are not and will never be my enemy. I should not or never should be your enemy because people don't fight people. And can I even say this? The trans activist is not my enemy, God loves them. He died for them just like He died for you. And we ought to love them and try to reach them. Everybody, the people are not our enemy. All the things that I've mentioned so far is systematic attacks of Satan to try to destroy us. Let's go back over them. And let's see if we can make some sense of it with what God says. Number one, I said I would deflect their worship from one true God to false gods. God says thou shalt have no other gods before me. Number two, I would put a God that consumes the time of people in front of them. That God says, Thou shalt make unto thee no graven images. Number three, I would trivialize the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I would do away with the Lord's day. Number four, I said. And God says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Number five, I would do all I could to degrade parents. The Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother. Number six, I would sanction murder. God says, Thou shalt not kill. Number seven, I would remove all boundaries from sex. God says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. I would give number eight people an entitlement mentality. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. And then I would promote gossip, get people to backstab each other. Well, the Bible says, thou shalt not bear false witness. And then number 10, I would rob their contentment, never being satisfied. And the Bible says, thou shalt not covet. You see what the devil does? He always takes God's thou shalt nots And he says, hath God said, like he did with Eve? Satan always takes a period, and he puts a big old question mark there, trying to shake our faith in what is. He seeks to destroy us, tearing down all the fences of protection that God builds for us. And he wants to destroy America. Now, because of that, how do we go about to save America? I think of Abraham in Genesis 18. You remember the story. God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got people there. What do you, Lord, what if there's 50 righteous? I'll save it for 50. Well, what if there's 45? I'll save it for 45. And then he kept on going down till he got to 10. By the way, God didn't stop at 10. Mo, uh, Abraham stopped at 10. But I don't know how low he could have went, but he stopped at 10. 10 righteous people, I'll save them. It's interesting to me that... Uh, the salvation of Sodom and Gomorrah did not, uh, was connected to God's people, not the wicked people. That's interesting to me. It was not, not because of them. Uh, and by the way, why did God choose to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? We have already answered our mind today. I know right what you're thinking right now because I'm a mind reader. Homosexuality. That's what our answer is usually. They were a sick, perverted city. And yes, they were. But that is not why God destroyed them. In fact, he tells us why in Ecclesiastes 16, 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. You say, well, preacher, I already know. You don't have to read any further. I know what their sin was. They had June pride month. That's what they did. They had a big old rainbow flag they slapped everywhere. That was their problem. But he says this, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. That's an interesting list of sins. And in the first four sins, he did talk about abomination too, but in the first four uh, list of sins, uh, homosexuality never came up. And it's interesting what the sins were. Pride. Pride. When the heart lifts itself above uh, uh, both God and man, put lifts itself. Uh, Pride is the first sin that turned angels into demons. It's the first uh, sin that turned man into sinners. It was good for food and desired. I wonder if pride is a problem with God's people today. Gluttony called here fullness of bread. It was God's mercy they had plenty, but they... In their sin, they abused it. They saturated themselves with it to excess. They drank to excess. And it is no different in our nation today. They ate in, in, to excess and drank to excess. And then how about idleness? This is an abundance of idleness is what the Bible says. Literally the secure carelessness of ease. Their country was fruitful. It was a land of abundance and they indulged themselves in laziness. And if you're a parent, you know this already. Uh, idleness is an inlet to much sin. Have you ever, as a parent, had small children and you're like, (gasps) what's that? You think, I don't hear anything. Exactly. Something's going on. Idleness. How about oppression? Neither did she strengthen the hands of the poor and needy. It was bad enough that they had much wealth, but they did nothing to help the poor. They were a selfish people. Prosperity and luxury was the luxury was their case. They were, and it hardened the the hearts of men against the poor and needy. I think of the images we've all seen coming out of San Francisco, a city with many rich people and many needy people who aren't being helped. And here's what we do: we look at Sodom and Gomorrah. We we all do it. Just be honest. We look at a place like Sodom and Gomorrah. And we say, "Ha, huh, homosexuality." Hey, we're nowhere near that. We're okay. God didn't name that. He named things that actually we do kind of have problems with. Pride, gluttony. I mean, not me, obviously, but others. Uh, pride, gluttony, uh, not caring. How many churches today don't care about people? You would be amazed. Pastor Nick and I talk about this all the time. At the churches and pastors we run into, and they're about looking good, getting the right packages in. They don't care about people. People that are broken and needy. People that need the church the most. And, you know, I say it often, but a a church is not a hotel for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. But sometimes we try to turn it around and make it a hotel for saints. And that's sad, and it's tragic, and I think it's this sin right here. Neither did she strengthen the hands of the poor and needy. The truth of the matter is Sodom and Gomorrah sins a lot closer to us than we want to admit. Now you know me I like politics. I uh I watch uh political races. Uh I even wore my political socks today, okay? I mean I I'm really proud of that uh, of uh, America. And I liked wa- I I love watching elections back when we had them. Uh but God has never saved sorry, I keep throwing things in I shouldn't. God has never saved a nation. Listen to me now. Whose wicked people adopt good morals? It's never happened. Not in the Old Testament, not in the New, not in history. God doesn't save a nation whose wicked adopt good morals. Second Chronicles 7, 14, a verse you knew I'd get to sooner or later, and we all know it well, if my people, who are called by my name, that's called Christians, little Christs, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and seek my face, And pray and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. No question. This land needs a healing touch of God upon it. But the healing does not come as we shut, because we shut down a pride parade. A healing comes from God's people getting right. God's people turning back to Him. Uh, God's people committed to do their part. And I ask you a question today. When is the last time you bent your knee and prayed for this country? I know it's easy, it's fun, and there's lots of fodder for it to complain about this country, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot we can go into. We could sit here for hours and complain. How about we turn that into prayer? It'd be a good thing, wouldn't it? And pray for this country. Are you, in your family, getting sold a bill of goods that Satan is peddling across our nation? What is your family doing to battle these attacks and to protect itself from the tactics of Satan, the solution to the destruction of America? It lies in this room right here, and in rooms like this all over our nation. It lies in the churches. It is time for God's people. To open their eyes. It's time for God's people to get involved. Abraham said, if 10 people, in if, fact, if, if there's just 10 people, here's the problem. They had a righteous man there, but he never handed out tracts. He even let his own kids his own kids went to the devil, really. He, he must not have been a good leader in his home. I know that's not always the case. I mean, uh, but, but he, he didn't have the, uh, them following him. They laughed him to scorn. He had no testimony. And therefore, when there should have been 10 in his family. If not, you might lose a child here and there. We understand how that goes. But maybe win a neighbor. But he couldn't scratch 10 righteous people together because the Christian, the man of God, wasn't doing his job. Wasn't the the pride parade going on in town. It was because the man of God wasn't doing his job. I'm asking you today, are you willing to do yours? Let's have every head bowed every eye closed. We live in a great nation. I believe she has great potential still, but it's going to take God's people coming back to Him. It's going to take families that are serious about making a priority of the house of God and the word of God and the people of God. And I believe today each and every one of us can improve in one of those ten areas.